This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Let the train! You are listening to Wide Welcome to the Domestic Supply Chain Summit 2022. I'm Dooner. This is What the Truck. We're a podcast and TV show that happens three times a week. Although this year, you have the honor of being here for our second to last one. We got a very What the Truck Christmas on Friday, and then we're out of here. Hope you got your blood sugar out. Hope you uh, hope you're ready for a second part of the day here. We had a great start to it, but before we get into things, a couple shout outs here. First, Universal Sponsors, Geotab and Ryder, thank you for helping us put this on. In the regionals, we got Echo Global Logistics and Inception. For the content you're seeing here, Leaf Logistics and Transfix, and the live stream that you're all watching from the comfort of your homes And if you're doing on some nice new TVs, anyone do anything on Black Friday, Cyber Monday? I got one delivered today. And Final Mile, as good as it is, I got to tell you, tracking still sucks, right? My tracking said it was going to show up yesterday. I'm sitting there with a half hour left in the delivery window, and guess what happens? Guy calls me up. Oh, yeah. He tries to gaslight me. He goes, here's your, I got your TV delivery for tomorrow. Tomorrow, your tracking shows today. Anyways, it got there, all right? First world problems. You can win a prize today. If you register, you can win a Sonos portable smart speaker set. Really cool. I was looking at these. Actually, I was looking at the Sonos Arc. I'm like doing this new home theater thing. And uh, I was thinking of putting that in there. I went with the Samsung, but my parents have a pair of these in the kitchen and they are absolutely fantastic. So definitely make sure you register if you're watching this live stream. How do you do that? Easy enough. Go to live.freightwaves.com, put your name and all that info in here. Kaylee and Sydney will raffle that off at the end of the show. I think you got maybe like two hours to get in, in there. So get ahead and do that. Before we jump into the guests, we've got a lot to go into, but I know you're all trying to get your Christmas shopping done. PSA, today is the last day to send FedEx ground. I think I found the perfect gift for all of us in logistics. Roll the tape. Greetings. I am Optimus Prime. Hey, Optimus Prime. Greetings. Transform. Are you kidding me? Imagine Maria's a show and tell in 1985. PS23, those kids in kindergarten, they would have been like Dooner. Hey, Optimus Prime. Greetings. Megatron. And watch this, though. Hey, Optimus Prime. Greetings. Roll out. It's only it's only a thousand dollars on Hasbro Plus too, so I don't know. I don't, I'm looking at you like Robin Hood, or if you were trying to pay with it in Dogecoin, you're probably not going to be able to do that. But if you have some pets, look out because this may happen. Uh, 
in one last order of business here. Take a look at this image right here. I think this says all you need to know about supply chain this year and some of the struggles that we all went through. This is a headline from March 7th of this year. Costco has chartered seven ships for the next three years to increase supply chain flexibility. This is a headline from yesterday. Costco downsized container ship chartering at huge costs. U.S. retailer taking $93 million charge to reduce exposure after building up seven-vessel fleet. That's 2022 for you in supply chain. We have a bunch of amazing guests today. One of them is sitting right in the green room. His name is Jay Gustafson. He's the EVP of Brokerage Operations at Echo Global Logistics. And last time I saw him, I think it was when he was on stage at F3 all fired up giving a demo time down in chattanooga and i appreciate you having me back on today well we were happy to have you out in the uh the scenic city it's a great time you just saw that headline i put you just saw that headline i put up from costco though right and i think the big challenge that shippers retailers uh, uh, carriers everybody's had is that we're answering to the demand of christmas past right and that's been a tough one this year tech and rapid information i think the ideas behind this the value in them we know more than ever let's talk a little bit about that subject yeah i mean i think the uh the two articles you showed up you showed really did a great job of just articulating 2022 in a nutshell, which is just disruption. As I think about where we started the year to where we are ending the year from a market, a pricing capacity situation, we're really, we've really experienced two totally different stratospheres. And as shippers throughout North America that we interact with at Echo think about the future and think about that next event that may push rates up or down, it really feels to me like they're taking more proactive measures in their procurement strategy to attempt to minimize disruption in the future. This chaos that we've been dealing with the last 24 months, 30 months, it's really not a sustainable way to operate a supply chain. Well, sure. And Jay, you know, this is freight. So all everyone ever yells about is rates and pricing, right? And in a very dynamic environment, I used to be in sales and I used to be in operations. I've seen both sides. It is really tough to meet on both sides and keep everyone happy. How is some of the dynamic pricing integrations and the APIs that you guys have been working on, how have they been working out in 2022? I think they've been really helpful to our shippers in, in 2022 because um, they help give our, that community a real-time pulse of what's happening with the market. And in the past years where um, you know conditions were chaotic and you were really leveraging your contractual capacity, it was a little bit different of a reality this last six months. And so we've seen both our API pricing and our Echo, our pricing that's available, available through Echo Ship, give our shippers that real-time sense of what's actually happening in the market to help them determine what's the right sourcing strategy with their freight. Do they keep running it through their contractual providers? Or do they potentially look at new ways of driving down cost while maintaining high levels of service. And that's the one thing I would add to the comment that you made around what shippers are focused on. Yeah. In, the pre in the past, it's really been around capacity and, and price. We're really seeing the topic of service come into more and more of the conversations we have with our shipper base, because I think a, a lack of delivering high levels of service, it's a big part of the disruption shippers faced in the last 30 months and so we're seeing our shipper base really approach their sourcing strategy through the lens of not just that dynamic real-time pricing or who can give me contractual rates, 
but who's going to service my freight regardless of market conditions? A little bit more holistic of an approach, I would say, is what we're seeing. Yeah, what do you think is the most meaningful of those changes that you've seen and how shippers are approaching contract pricing? I remember during the pandemic, as we eased into it or, or as we were thrust into it, that topic of like mini bids was really popular at the end of 2020 and a lot of 2021. What are we seeing in the strategies in 2022 and how have they evolved? I would say we're certainly seeing the momentum around the mini bids continue as I think everyone knows, despite the relative calm the last six months, everyone's waiting for that next storm to kind of come on in. And so shippers are are hedging from both a price and, and service standpoint through, through more mini bids. But what we're also seeing shippers do is approach their strategic capacity providers, I'll call it offline, not necessarily through a bid event. And and see where there's opportunities to renew incumbent lanes that a provider has been delivering at a high level of service on or having discussions around reoccurring freight. And if there's a drop trailer or dedicated fleet solution that a, a 3PL like Echo could potentially bring to the table. And so I think we're seeing not just more momentum around the, the mini bids, but we're also seeing shippers carve out portions of their freight, go to strategic providers and try to lock up more sustainable capacity solutions that will help them minimize disruption when the market flips again. So, Jay, before I let you go, I have one last question. It's one that always comes up, and it is the intersection of technology and relationships, right? Yeah. We love the transparency that tech gives. We love the bids, but we all know, like yesterday, I had a TV arrive late, and I need customer service. I need to be able to contact somebody, and that's on the most micro of level. When we talk about macro. You need service. You need people to talk to. Where do the relationships yeah. still fit in when we're talking about not just price but service? I really think, you know, and, and I don't want to just say, I Echo really believes that that combination of technology and relationships is, is the winning approach to growing with our shipper base and, and providing high levels of service. There's certain uh, tasks, there's certain areas of the operation that the technology solves all aspects. There's other areas, though, where a more strategic solutions-based approach is needed that uh, kind of sourcing strategy I mentioned where you maybe carve out a portion of your business try to find a reoccurring capacity, that's not happening through technology alone. And so we really believe that com combination of, you know, API, real-time pricing, but these strategic sourcing solutions help shippers go deep with a partner and, and minimize disruption in the future. Jay, thank you so much. Thank you to the Echo team for joining us on this show and lending your thought leadership to us. This is uh, going to be an even bigger and ever-increasing topic into next year. In the meantime, though, people like what they heard. They want to talk to Jay. Where do I send them? You can send them to uh, Jay Gustafson at Echo.com, or they can come over to our website and you know ask to learn more information. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. We appreciate it. And hope thank to see you so much. You, uh, up there see doing you. A, hope to see you doing a demo up there again. Uh, you look good up there. I'll be up there this spring, so we'll talk again then. All right. I'll see you in Cleveland. Take it easy. All right. Now, hey, let's – ooh, Maggie Hamlin, if I'm not mistaken, she's an operations uh, – she's an accounts and operations lead at Leaf Logistics, but I believe she's also based in my old stomping grounds in the Boston area. Is that true, Maggie? Yes, that's correct. Where are I you? I am so in the South End. Oh, not bad. All right. I used to live out in Dorchester in the North End and in Southie for a little bit. So I've had, and then in Hanover, when I had kids, I had to move out that way before coming to uh, Chattanooga. I love the area. Yeah, I uh, grew up here, so I absolutely love it. 
Well, one of the things we're going to talk to today, like I have Boston in my portfolio as well as Chattanooga, we're going to talk to a portfolio approach to freight increases, services, and savings. Set the table on that one. What does that mean? Absolutely. So ultimately, what LEAF believes in is that 90% of your freight should be planned and coordinated and scheduled ahead of time, thinking about things from a cross-shipper point of view. And so ultimately, we believe there are the right types of carriers or brokers that should be assigned to the right type of freight profile and adapted week over week rather than six or 12 months routing guide approach every single time. So, Maggie, when I used to work at a at a brokerage doing uh, international air shipments, every single shipment was always hot. Everything. I didn't have a non-hot pile. So in a world where everything is hot, nothing is hot. How do we sort of how do we differentiate what's an emergency? I think that's almost what you're talking about here, too. Right. Giving it to the the right teams, because not everything is really critical response. Absolutely. I mean, ultimately, you can use data to figure out what loads can be planned and scheduled or coordinated and what loads need to be that firefighting. This is a special snowflake load that is an issue every single time. And so by using advanced analytics, we're able to help show shippers this is where you can plan and this is what should be coordinated weeks, months, even a year in advance with the right type of carrier on the other side of that. So what does that look like, Maggie? Let's say I'm a shipper and Leaf is doing the job, right? They're analyzing everything and they approach me. What would that, what would a conversation like that look like? Yeah. So the conversation basically starts with, this is what you can do by yourself in terms of network coordination. And this is what you can do across the transportation grid. So we believe by stitching together additional shippers within each outside of their silos, they can work together to create additional network moves, additional coordination and reducing the empty miles. And so we really start with talking to shippers about where there's opportunity to coordinate what a portfolio approach would look like for their service levels and for their costs and how many empty miles we ultimately can reduce through coordination. How does the past couple of years where, and look, I, uh, supply chains have never really been normal, but in the past couple of years, that bullwhip effect has been struck especially hard. How does this kind of approach where you're trying to plan and try to predict, but now you're in a completely different universe, how do you deal with that environment? Yeah, it's it's definitely a challenging environment to deal with. But if you have the base loads of your transportation portfolio planned and scheduled, then you can help with the volatility and the upsprings. And you can use other shippers that aren't experiencing as much volatility as you are to be able to say, okay, I don't have as much coming out of the Northeast. But if you're part of a grid, there's other players that are still coming out of the Northeast. So rather than being so volatile and transactional, you're not, you don't have to rely on just your own volumes. You're now relying on all the other shippers' volumes in the grid in order to coordinate and to help offset some of that volatility by locking things down into longer-term contracts. It's true. You know, it, it, and I'm sure you'd agree with this. It's always smart to audit your tech, too. I remember an example I had from a couple of years ago when I was working for a company and we were doing optimizations. We were wondering why all these empty miles kept coming up. And what had happened is whoever set up the account back in the day, they had like HQ origin as base point in there. So the routing was, was all messed up. So how important is it, too, to make sure that the information is right, that is sort of driving these dynamic and predictable decisions? Yeah, it's very crucial that the information 
is right. And that's why we ask for regular data refreshes, because by refreshing your data on a regular basis, we can see kind of, are we learning something else? Has origin points changed? How can we make sure that we're auditing your data for accuracy? And your networks are always changing. COVID showed us that over the last two, three years, all of a sudden, you're not shipping directly to stores or to restaurants, you're going directly to the consumer. And so how do you handle that when it comes up and seems like it's changing constantly? We're really using a data-driven approach to make those decisions for our shippers. Maggie, how um, how automated do you think brokerage is going to get in the next year based on, on what you're seeing and as we remove a lot of these manual processes? So I think a lot can be automated. And ultimately, there's going to be some need for brokers continuing to do what they do today. There's always going to be that portion. But there's a right type of your portfolio that should be used for brokers. And then there's a right type of portfolio to be thinking about dedicated solutions or asset-based carriers. And so really taking that full portfolio approach, thinking through where do brokers really fit, but also what can be automated. And if 90% is planned and scheduled, you get rid of some of the automated or more manual things today, such as scheduling or appointment pickups, because the truck just shows up at the same time, at the same doctor, at the same location, and the driver knows what he's doing. And so by scheduling and coordinating and planning more and more, I think some of the more manual processes in just inherently are eliminated. Hey, so where can I send people to learn more about LEAF? Absolutely. So you can come to leaflogistics.com, our website, or send me a direct email at margie.hamlin at leaflogistics.com. Margie, thank you so much for your time. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you and the LEAF team. Thank you so much. Now this, I, you know what? I have never said this, this name out loud of this particular company. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to spell it for you and you tell me who you'd say it. I-N-X-E-P-T-I-O-N. I'm looking at it like an exception, an an exception, but I think it might be inception. I'm not sure. I got to ask Ryan Murrow, vice president of business development. He's got me thinking right now, Ryan, how am I saying this name? Dooner. It's inception. I like it. Like the, like the Nolan movie. There you go. Like the Christopher Nolan movie. By the way, speaking of Inception, you know, we could probably get in each other's minds because it turns out that you're a mock. I'm in Chattanooga, but you also mm-hmm. went to the same uh, university that my sister did, Miami. There you go. Absolutely <laughs> love Chattanooga. <laughs> hey, so tell me a little quick about what is it before we even dump into this topic here? What's Inception <laughs> for those who may not have seen your name? Yeah, so uh, Inception is essentially, you know, one of the phrases we love to use is a super app. Um, We are a marketplace, a digital marketplace that's building um, logistics infrastructure um, to create all sorts of new swim lanes and avenues for industrial companies. We like to think of it as e-commerce or industrial commerce. So one of these terms that, and just on what the truck, a couple of days ago, someone threw it at me, but I've been hearing it all year, ever increasingly. Is it just buzzword? Is it a real term? What is supply chain as a service and how can that help domestic shippers? Yeah, I'm hearing it a lot as well. We love using it around here. Uh, supply chain as a service is, is a couple steps beyond logistics management, shipment visibility. You know, to us, to me, it, it unites a global product search, um, availability of those products, procurement financing, market-based purchasing, um, warehousing, moving and tracking freight, all under one, um, to use a word some other folks have used already, holistic concept. 
Very interesting. Well, you know, this is the domestic supply chain summit, but I think that we learned over the past couple of years, even if you had been sort of insulated from it, that this is a global interconnected economy. And one specifically over the past years that was driven very heavily by retail. So I think it was a pretty great education to domestic shippers just in por- how important global trade is. In fact, in Sonar, we made our call about the markets dropping out because we saw the freight demand dropping from overseas here. Knowing that will tell you a lot about what's going to happen in the truck market coming up in the next couple of months because that stuff's not going to be at the port. What's your opinion on that? How important is it that domestic shippers care about what's going on outside of our 50 states? Yeah, I mean, you're spot on. If, you're procru- if your procurement is screwed, uh, your fulfillment's already, already broken, right? And so global solutions within supply chain as a service, um, and what we're trying to do is offer this kind of inverse of that micro domestic focused approach. Um, where you have a lot of fragmented transportation systems and and take a, um, a macro global look at, at every segment of your supply chain. And the domestic shippers, obviously, um, they felt that pain. And so, you know, we're trying to help them uh, with that pain in, in the future. You know, Ryan, supply chain agility sounds like parkour for uh, out of shape middle aged men, but it, <laughs> it's a big buzzword, right? Does it actually mean something, though? What does it mean to you guys? Yeah, um, I, I, to us, it's and I mentioned it earlier, we offer uh, flexibility with capital, um, international relationships. We've got these global supply chain partners in our marketplace um, that go beyond final mile domestic supply chain, manufacturing, warehousing, procurement, capital fulfillment. To us, being able to go complete, you know, end to end, um, is really what agility is. It's this global ecosystem that that we've kind of figured out how to put under one hood. Um, and to us, that's true supply chain agility. Can you give us, and I'm only, because I'm, you asked to do, I want, I'm so glad you wanted to call out some buzzwords here. Because on a show like this, I hear a lot of them, right? And sometimes people gloss over all this stuff. And I'm like, someone, they were on here for 10 minutes. I'm like, you know, I talked to a lot of people. I don't know what they meant when they left. I hope you guys know what they meant. So can we get a good example of what supply chain agility would be in the real world? Yeah, I, I think for us, um, and I'll talk about one commerce partner in specific that's been well-documented recently. We appreciate FreightWaves covering it. Um, it's a company called Meyerberger. Uh, it's oh, an yeah. international global supply chain, or uh, I'm sorry, solar panel company. Um, and they had this desire to bring um, their German-made solar panels to the U.S. And so when we think of um, agility inside the global supply chain, it's, it's, it's kind of what we've been able to do with them. And that's manage uh, with a strategic team, you know, with, with relationships and, and personnel support, um, end-to-end management of their entire uh, Germany transport, local Germany transport, ocean export, U.S. customs clearance, and then domestic fulfillment and transport here. So we're not only helping them with the logistics, but we're actually strategically partnering with this company to build U.S. demand. Um, And then ultimately what that would do over time is create, um, again, within our network, new new supply lines for those products that are already here in the United States. And that's kind of the full circle agility of our marketplace and then supply chain infrastructure model. Very cool, Ryan. Well, people who want to learn more, they want that agility. They want everything you talked about here. Where do I send them to? 
Yeah, uh, inception.com with an X, um, or they can email me at ryan.morrow at inception.com. Well, hey, thank you guys for coming on. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you and the team over at Inception. And it was great to meet you guys. I hope to see you again on What the Truck in the new year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same to you. Happy holidays. Take it easy. All right. Let's, you know what? Let's end this uh, particular show, not this event, but this particular show with our buddies over at Ryder. Look who's sitting on my desk right here. This is like the concierge butler. Now, I'm not sure if Ryder's massive company, and I'm not sure if Charles Mon does. He's a group director of their Connect fleet. Charles, let me, do you deal with this uh, concierge butler at all? <laughs> uh, that's a new one to me. I am only two months into Ryder, and I'm still trying to learn all of the, you know, all the nuances of the different groups, but. Oh, interesting. Where, uh, so where do you, uh, where's your background from? Yeah, well, I've been in the supply chain uh, industry for, for about 17 years, uh, mostly in the telematics industry. So I got my start at uh, XRS and uh, worked with DriveWise uh, m- most recently. So I'm only two months into Rider, still learning all the, the nooks and crannies. I, I think the uh, Rider is about 100 times larger than, than any, any of the companies that I've worked with, uh, mostly mostly been at, uh, you know in kind of the startup technology space. So uh, it's it's exciting being here, but still learning a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, you're in Connected Fleet, and Ryder's huge, so there's a lot of fleet to connect. <laughs> what what was uh, what has been surprising, at least? What surprised you about building tech in a much bigger company? Is it just the scale of everything? Yeah, the the scale. I mean, the scale of Ryder's fleet, uh, the, the assets that they own, they manage, is bigger than a lot of the companies I've even been at. Uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of vehicles that they they manage. Um, I think what's been surprising to me is I've always kind of thought as logistics companies, uh, my, again, my background being in tech businesses uh, and tech products um, is, is you know, selling technology services to other companies and thinking of uh, other companies as uh, maybe less tech savvy. And I actually found that Ryder is extremely tech savvy. Uh, they have a lot of investment in technology. Uh, so it's, you know, it's really one of, the, one of the reasons I came here is, is to be part of kind of disruption innovation within a, a company that's well established. So what is some of that? What is that connected fleet strategy now? And, and how is that going to or how is that disrupting things? Yeah, you know, it's uh, gosh, when you think about connected fleet. Right. And for us, that means connecting to trucks and trailers, um, you know, connecting and providing technology services with our partners like Geotab for uh, for fleets to leverage ELD and uh, you know, location tracking and visibility, right? It, connected Fleet really is a huge umbrella. Um, and so for us, it's uh, you know, the strategy, because half of our business is on the supply chain side, the other half is, is really around fleet management, um, you know, lease and rental um, and maintenance services. Uh, we, we have a lot of different customers, a lot of different use cases that we're trying to solve for. So um, it, we really kind of boil it down to uh, you know, core objective for us is trying to connect our entire fleet, uh, light up our entire fleet. So how do we get every truck, every trailer uh, connected, whether that's our own asset or it's a partner's, uh, you know, one of our customers' assets that we need to connect in with through whatever technology that they have. Our goal is to get, uh, you know, to, to get connected and then use that data um, to provide more optimized services. Uh, so it really starts with trying to optimize things like, uh, like how a breakdown happens. So when a truck, you know, breaks down, how do you make sure that a service vehicle uh, is there if and know whether we have to tow it or repair it? Um, but more, more, you know, beyond that is providing other kind of disruptive services that uh, go above and beyond just kind of our core uh, fleet management services today. 
You know, it's interesting. If you, if you were to say rider to your average person on the street, they're not going to go, oh, rider, that amazing tech company, right? But the focus on rider is obviously still on logistics, but you're moving very rapidly into a tech-focused company. What is that transition like? Do you, you butt any heads with the, uh, you know, the old logistics rams? You know, it's it's uh, it's definitely a challenge trying to, I think, as a big company, trying to figure out how do you innovate? How do you, you know, I mean, we've got legacy systems that are powering, you know, a lot of a lot of daily processes that have to keep on going. Um, and I think what, what Ryder's done really well is they've kind of taken a build by partner strategy um, and trying to identify ways where they need to invest more in internal teams, focus on technologies to help kind of build up internal systems that are proprietary, that where we want to have a uh, you know, competitive advantage. Um, and so there's been really a growth of uh, you know, investment in product teams within Ryder. Um, there's also there's a Rider Ventures group where we're going out and, and investing and in, uh, you know buying technology companies that have really proven themselves in the market in, in just disruptive ways, um, and and then also leveraging you know partnerships with you know companies like like GeoTab who we, we partner with on the uh, you know telematics side who have uh, significant you know uh, resources um, in in best practices that they can bring to the table, and so. Uh, you know, so it's a little bit of all three of those things. I think, you know, uh, one of the we've had some successes um, that I can't take any credit for because it was before my time. But uh, but, you know, Torque, for example, is a business unit that we launched to provide mobile uh, maintenance. Uh, and it was stood up as its own business unit, kind of stood up as a product and uh, let the team go run with it and, and kind of treat it as its own little mini business within Rider and sort of and try to incorporate it into, um, you know, all of the kind of existing business processes. What do you think one of the toughest challenges is of turning a very physical world of logistics and freight digital, at least as uh, you move into 2023? Like what are the what are the core problems right now that that's like your white whale? Yeah, you know, it's as 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 um, well adopted as telematics, you know, are uh, across the industry, driven by things like compliance, ELD mandates, you know, certainly the drive for visibility, uh, you know, from a supply chain perspective is is getting uh, putting more and more reasons for for you know fleets to be connected. But from from where I sit in my seat, I think um, you know it's it's still a challenge trying to convince customers to share data and. Um, and, and use it in the right way and use it in, um, in, in a trusted way. And uh, so it's, it's a technology problem in some, some regards. We got to figure out how, you know, how we connect with different fleets for different business use cases, but we have to also establish trust with them. And, and uh, if we're going to ask for data, uh, they need to have value in return. And they do make, need to make sure that you know, the value proposition for that, that data exchange is, is worth it. Um, I think you know, Ryder's a trusted name, been around for nearly 100 years. Um, we've we've got that trust. We have amazing uh, people in our company who drive you know amazing services to help fleets you know manage their operations. Uh, and, and so, building off of that legacy and and uh, trying to um, adopt you know adopt all these this plethora of technology that that that's out there and make it easy for for carriers, I think are the some of the core challenges that we're uh, we're seeing. 
Charles, speaking of people and speaking of challenges, it's been a challenging one in logistics. We've all seen on LinkedIn and the press release and the news articles, a lot of people have lost jobs recently. A lot of people in tech have lost jobs recently. So you have a great perspective. You've been with Ryder for, as you mentioned, just about two months now. Tell us a little bit about why you chose that role and why people who are out there right now, they're either at their job, they love it, or maybe they're a part of some of these tech layoffs. Why would Ryder be a great place to go next, especially with a tech focus? Yeah, you know, so I think the intersection of product and logistics is, is just, it's, it's amazing because uh, there are so many challenges in supply chains, so many problems to solve. Um, it's so diverse. You get to, I think, being a product manager and uh, you get to kind of sit in the middle of uh, customers, you get to talk to drivers, you get to talk to fleet managers, you get to talk to you know business owners. Uh, on the flip side, you have a you know team of developers and designers and um, you know marketers who help bring you know bring these product ideas to market and, and make sure they're successful. Um, and so for you know doing that, uh, that, that's why I love product to solving complex problems with technology and getting to work with all these different people. Getting to do that in a company like Rider where. Um, it's not just about, you know, one little product or service, but it's also or not just the technology, I guess, but you're also incorporating that into a service offering is pretty amazing. Um, and, you know, and I think there's I've worked with a lot of other, uh, you know, logistics companies out there in the, in, in the industry that are investing in technology and they're kind of moving from like a project mentality um, of, hey, let's go, let's go do this project for this one little use case. And you know, here's the ROI we're going to get. They're, they're thinking of, of technology more as a product that uh, requires extended innovation and investment. And Ryder's doing that. And uh, and you know, and so in the connected fleet world, we're not just connecting dots between different systems. We're really thinking about how do we build up services and products on top of that. And, uh, really cool. Well, Charles, we're, we're just about a minute left, and I want to make sure people know where to go if they, if they like what they heard, they want to apply with Ryder, or they want to use the Connected Fleet services. Where should I send them to? Yeah, I, you know, Ryder.com has a lot of uh, great resources out there, so point them there. Feel free to contact me directly as well. It's uh, Charles underscore Moan, M-O-H-N, at Ryder.com. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We appreciate your time today, and thank you for everybody. Thank you. For tuning in, we'll be back on Friday, What the Truck Will, with a very What the Truck Christmas. That's noon Eastern time, live on tv.freightwaves.com. As you see here, so many of you in the industry have sent these amazing ornaments that adorn our tree. We got a lot of messages from a lot of the offices out there we're going to have on a very What the Truck Christmas, and we're going to cover some of my favorite people logistics. We've got some product for some last-minute pushes at the end of the year. we got the guys to do OK Boomer uh, Trophy Smack. What else we got on there? Let's keep some surprises. Instead, stay tuned. Crafting a RFP that carriers want to bid on. It's Mary O'Connell. You know else? David Stone. Everyone's a Lobo. Woof, woof, woof. Follow me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. Subscribe to What the Truck and stay tuned.